Welcome to the Ruler's World Broadcast. Stay tuned as Pastor William Beckson shares with you insights on how to take dominion on the earth. Before we sit down this morning, you want to talk to God. Thank Him for yet another privilege to sit at His feet, to be fed the Word of God. Thank Him for this opportunity to be taught the Word. Thank Him for the opportunity to be taught the Word. The Bible says, let him that is taught. Let him that is taught. There is an opportunity to be taught. In the arrangement of God, there is an opportunity to be taught. Let him that is taught. So this morning we received a word from his mouth. Jesus, you're helping us this morning. Your name be praised. Give us utterance for your people in your mercy. Feed our spirits, feed our souls, quicken our bodies, help us, Jesus. Orchestrate adjustments in our hearts, orchestrate changes in our hearts, orchestrate changes in our thinking, orchestrate changes in our minds, orchestrate changes in our understanding. Effect changes, Lord, as we open up to your word. Let your word effect changes. Let your word effect changes. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. For some time now, we've been looking at kingdom finance. And we've been approaching this subject from the kingdom perspective and we are saying that because Jesus brought the government of God to the earth there is a position of the government of God when it comes to our finances there is a place in God's kingdom for financial stewardship and so we've been we've been trying to look at that and um, we've also been uh, considering a few misconceptions about kingdom finance, how we can emerge as stewards of God's resources. And one of the big things we have said in this service, uh, I'm talking about the teaching so far, is that everything has to be contextualized in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the, is the context or the environment. The kingdom of God is the backdrop for the conversation we are having. And we were even so bold to make a statement that whatever you're doing, if it is not aligned to the kingdom of God, if it is not because of the kingdom of God, if it is not motivated by the kingdom of God, ultimately you will be wrong. Whatever it is, no matter how well it starts, you may have the best of intentions but if God's kingdom is not the motivation for what you're doing, you will be wrong ultimately. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a business, it's anything. God's kingdom must become the motive for what you do. The advancement of his kingdom, the entrenchment of his kingdom, the increase of his kingdom, 
the influence of his kingdom must be the reason why you do what you do every day. That's how you should live your life, you see. So if there is something you are doing and we can't trace it to a motive that is rooted in the kingdom of God, that thing can become a snare. And we are saying no matter how good it is, it can become a snare. So it is this, it is this um, orientation that allows you to partner with God to fulfill his will for your life. Even salvation. Salvation is not a rescue strategy from God. Salvation is not just God rescuing you from Satan. Salvation is a way or the way God restores his kingdom back to the earth. Salvation is how God is restoring his government back to the earth. You see, because the first Adam handed over that government to Satan. When he disobeyed God, he gave the dominion, the authority to manage the earth for God, the authority to run the government of God on the earth. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they literally handed over that authority to Satan. So salvation is how Jesus, the last Adam, comes to restore that kingdom government. Because the only legal government, according to God's original intention, that will operate the earth is the kingdom government of God. That's the only legal government. And till date, it's the only government that is legal everywhere in the earth. You can't exercise the influence of the government of Ghana in another jurisdiction. It won't work. Nobody will obey the authority of President Akufuado outside the boundaries of Ghana because our government is legal in Ghana. That same government, if you put it in the United States, it won't be on it. But the government of Jesus is legal everywhere you go on the earth because God made the entire earth to be run by his government. So if you are doing something right now, and we can't trace it to a heartbeat that is in the kingdom of God or the government of God, then it means that thing you are doing will become a snare for your soul. This is the mind with which we approach kingdom finance. This is the mind with which we approach kingdom finance. There has to be a kingdom dream God has put in your heart for which reason resources will make meaning in your life. Else, what do you want resources for? To use it on yourself? No. That won't give meaning to resources. I, I want to read a um, few portions of Prosperity Decoded, uh, and then I would, I would share a scripture with you, a scripture uh, that will guide our conversation. And uh, this is chapter 15 of Prosperity Decoded. And that, that the, the, the chapter... Our title is The Church and the Poor. The Church and the Poor. And um, we said that Jesus, in two occasions, or on two occasions, in Luke chapter 4 and 18, told the people that the Spirit of God was upon him because he had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. And then in Matthew eleven five. Um, when John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus to find out whether he was the Christ, uh, he told them to go and tell John that to the poor, the gospel is preached. So as he signed that I'm the Messiah, 
That means Jesus has something to address poverty as part of his government. Every child of God must be trained to become so productive in the earth that they on their own can bring others out of poverty through the gospel of the kingdom. I just want to read uh, this to you. For this to happen, our meetings as the universal church of the Lord Jesus must become productive capacity building platforms. So we're saying that every church service everywhere should be building the capacities of the people to be productive enough to become a blessing to their world. And this morning is one of such meetings. That's why I'm reading this to you, so that you will know what to look out for in the service. What, what do I want in this meeting? You need to understand what God is seeking to pass across to you. If what you are expecting doesn't match what God is supplying, you will be disillusioned. You will think you've been scammed. It's like going into a law school or the court, expecting to have surgery performed on you. You are in the wrong place expecting the wrong thing. Neither can you go to the medical ward or the hospital expecting to win your, your case, your law case. That's not where those matters are raised. You see, you must know what to expect in a meeting like this. And we are saying that if the pew must become productive in the earth, a lot depends on the quality, spiritual nourishment from the pulpit. You see, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10, this is Paul writing to the Galatian church. He says, only the world that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. So that means when Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles about uh, their ministry to the Gentiles, one of the cardinal things the apostles wanted to be sure that these guys were doing was that remember the poor. That means we can't have a true ministry without impacting the poor. You see, so that was their charge to Paul and Barnabas. Guys, we, we've heard all the miracles we are talking about, all the mighty things you say you are doing. God is using you mightily. God has given you grace. We, we, that's great. But please, as you do this, remember the poor. That means let your ministry impact the poor. And listen to what Paul said. Paul said, the same we were forward to do. We are already in this same thinking. Like, this is not a revelation to us. That Peter and the entire apostles saying we should remember the poor was not new to us. This was the same thing we were also already predisposed to doing. The same we were also. The entire Gentile church, Paul and Barnabas, were charged by the apostles in Jerusalem, remember the poor. So does this suggest that the church was expected to be poor? If you are being told to remember the poor, are you part of the poor to be remembered? You are being given a responsibility to remember the poor. It is one of the qualifications you require to support the poor to be poor. Like you have to be poor to qualify to support the poor. No. So implied in this statement, to remember the poor, is that you must have the wherewithal to do so. Do you see that in this scripture, God is expecting you and I to be the ones 
remembering the poor, helping the poor, bringing the poor out of poverty. This is more powerful than the sustainable development goals of, of the United Nations. Or you don't think that this scripture was there before UN was formed? But as we are talking about this, ah, those pastors, everyday money, prosperity, prosperity. But they don't say that about the UN. When they say they are, they are bent on ensuring that they eradicate poverty, nobody will insult the UN. Why do you want to eradicate poverty? You are too money conscious. You are too prosperity conscious. Even President Akufuado is striving very hard to reduce poverty. In Ghana, isn't it? Before the president was elected into office, this scripture was there. Remember the poor. So no government in this world can be better than the church. If we really understand what God wants us to do, we will literally render many of these political functionaries obsolete. Can you imagine if, if we are actively discharging this? The assemblyman in this area won't have work to do. No, 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 no. The DC will be unemployed because the church is actively dealing with the things that they promised in their manifestos. We are resolving them. Many of the people who will be beneficiaries of manifesto promises, they also come to church, isn't it? So if this thing is effective in our lives, you can't give me a matches to vote for you. It won't be valuable. You can't give me salt to vote for you. So that means as the church raises the standard, we will force politicians to also deliver. But as long as we are, we, are, we are a household of poverty, somebody will sell their rights to vote for another person. Do you think as you sit... Okay, okay let me just ask it as a question. Because we can't be too sure. Can somebody bring me... Okay, bring me a gun. We are going to vote next year. Anybody who does this, I want you guys to go and, me, like sacrifice the purpose of God for my life to go and chase your political career. But there are many people who will see that as an opportunity because of where they are. So when the church raises the standard, builds the people, they won't, they won't have the population that, that will fall to those temptations or fall for those temptations. So, Paul and Barnabas were charged. Remember, that means do something about poverty. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. Don't forget to carry out your ministry that touches the poor. Empower them and bring them out of poverty. That means you yourself should not be infected with poverty. To deliver this, you have been authorized to remember the poor, but you have a choice to take responsibility to remember the poor or become part of the poor to be remembered. This is not a new thing. I'm reading from the book. We, we wrote this in 2016. In John chapter 21, verse 15 and verse 17, 15 to 17, you know, Jesus appeared to Peter um, when they were busy fishing after his resurrection. And Jesus charged Peter not to only focus on fishing men. You know, when Jesus met Peter, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But 
after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus told Peter, do you love me more than this? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. That means it's not enough to fish men. Post-resurrection emphasis of Jesus, feed them. So we must evangelize to fish and we must teach to feed. And that's what happens every time we come to church. The goal is that you be fed. And because we are what we eat, we can predict your outcome if indeed you are eating the meals we are serving you in this church. Because we are what we eat. But if you are not eating, then it doesn't matter how long you've been coming. This is just, I don't know whether this is even part of the message, but just to prepare your heart for what I want to share with you. It, It won't matter how many times you go to a restaurant, the eagle, if you don't eat, hunger won't depart from your tummy. You can be going there every day, going there five times a day. It is not the coming. Are you feeding? Because we are what we eat. So Jesus said, Peter, feed. After fishing them, feed them. What Paul told the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20, 28, he said, take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. To feed the church of God. Our primary responsibility is to feed you with spiritual nourishment. And if indeed you are eating, you will become what you are eating. If indeed you are eating, you will become what you are eating. Feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So this is not a joke. Somebody spent his blood to procure something, and he's giving you to steward it, to feed it. And you think you can just be throwing any meal there, something that he's purchased with his blood. That's how valuable you are to God. And that's why he's committed to bring you material, content, food, spiritual food that will nourish you and cause you to become what he's expecting out of your life. So in this service this morning, you are, you are, you are open to be fed. Hallelujah. Whatever the changes we expect from the church, we must first effect those changes in their spiritual diet because we are what we eat. Do you see why the quality of overseers? Because he says, take it to yourselves and to the flock over there which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God. So the overseer is to feed the church of God. So we are saying the quality of the overseers invariably affects the quality of the church. The quality of the overseer, the quality of pastor, quality of apostle, quality of prophet, quality of teacher, quality of evangelist affects the quality of the church. So people of God, uh, in this meeting we are seeking to bring you God's counsel which, if you embrace, can effect a change in your life that will line up with the purpose of God for you, if you embrace it. That's the power of the word of God. Uh, Jesus said to them that believed in him, in John chapter 8, he says, if you continue in my word, 
Then are you my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth. The truth will react, will work on you. The truth will get involved with you until the truth makes you free. All you need to do is just open up to the truth of God's word. The hard work will be done by the truth on you, in you. The truth shall make you free. In Isaiah chapter 55, uh, he says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish the purpose for which it was sent and prosper in that which I sent it. Now, before he said that, he says, he says As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher, my thoughts higher. As the rain cometh down from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, listen to this, and makes it bad. He says, my word is like rain that comes down on the earth and forces the earth to bad. The word of God is like rain that comes down and when it pours on you, the word will work on you. Unless you get an umbrella that prevents this rain from touching you, if this thing touches you, it will work on you and cause you to bad. You will become fruitful. That's the purpose of the word of God. Look at the parable of the sower. He says the sower sows the word. Now the word now goes in there and the word is bringing forth fruit to the extent that we give allowance to the word. So if the allowance occasions a 30-fold fruit, that's what we get. If the allowance occasions a 60-fold fruit, that's what we get. If the allowance occasions a 100-fold fruit, that's what we get. You see? So um, let's read our text for today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Uh, sorry, 7 to 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 10. So this, this basically was an introduction. An introduction to help you position your heart for what we are sharing. Today. 7 to 10. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, this is a very... It, it, I don't know how to describe this text, but... You may take it for granted, but the word that makes you tread cautiously when you are reading this is the word deceived. But very few people know they are deceived. Very few people know that they are deceived. The reason why masses can fall into something like that is that it's, it's, it's not too obvious. It is deception because something is being smuggled into what looks fine. So when you hear, be not deceived. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Like, take your time. Be not That means I could be deceived. If, if I don't approach this thing properly as he's saying it, he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, please, he's not writing this to a brothel where you have prostitutes there and they are just having a time of their life. He's writing this to the church in Galatia. 
And he's telling the church that God is not mocked. Is it, is it obvious for us to know that God is not mocked? But he says you can be deceived into thinking. How can somebody be serious coming to church every day and whatever he's doing, the Bible is interpreting that as mockery. You are mocking God by what you're doing. Because the people are in church and he's writing to them. If you continue and say, see how large a letter I have written with my hand to you. And in that letter he says, God is not mocked. Because many of you will think that God can be mocked. How? For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also. Also means something has happened and this is the result. To mock God is that nothing has happened but I'm expecting the result. You are mocking God. Who did fell? I have not done what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still expecting some way, somehow, for God to come through for me. He says, don't be deceived, though. God is not mocked. <laughs> God, God, is not, God is not mocked. This one there, you have to get a quote from you. Mm. If you think you are mocking God, something, something, something. <laughs> no, he, he can come up with something like that. Uh, he's a psalmist. <laughs> but the Bible says, be not deceived. So, okay. That means somebody can, can be mocking God without knowing. And he will do that for five years. And angels are interpreting whatever he's doing in that church as mockery. When you get serious, we'll deal with your case. But you continue, continue joking. And what is the joke? For whatsoever a man soweth, this man is not sowing anything. And yet he's expecting to reap. We call that wishful thinking. It's a misconception. To think that we are not sowing and we expect to be reaping. Hallelujah. Somebody's mind is on money. Ah, this is a trap to get us into that place. Until now you are feeling bad for yourself. Wait, this thing is broader than money. Maybe let me help you. Give us verse 8. We'll come back to this. We've not finished. Squeezing the juice out of it. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap. This is a law that you would think that because you sow to the flesh and you are supposed to sow to the spirit, you won't reap. This is why an atheist can reap what he's sowing. And if a Christian is not sowing anything, he won't reap. Because thinking that he will reap, he is mocking God. The atheist will not be mocking God. You are a child of God. You will be mocking God thinking you will reap even though you've not sowed. And an atheist who thinks there is no God is busy sowing and reaping. And you will do a whole thesis and say, ah, Christianity is scam. Look at this. They say they don't believe in God, but look at how they are harvesting. And those of us who believe in God, look at our field. Are we sowing? Because if you sow to the flesh, you will still reap. But corruption... But you will reap. There are some things I can't push. Because if you see that the person who sowed to the flesh, did he sow to the flesh and then prayed about it? And then he reaped? No. This thing is a spiritual law. Somebody may not be as prayerful as you are, but he's sowing more than you are sowing. He will reap more than you are reaping. But he that soweth to the spirit. So you would think that now that we've come into the zone of the spirit, just watch the spirit. 
and you will reap life. No, 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 no. No, if the guy is sowing to the flesh and he's reaping, when we bring you to that field of the spirit and you just put your hand in your pocket and watch the spirit, you won't reap. Give us verse 9. And let us not be weary in... Are you in church this morning? This morning I'm, 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 I'm very... This is the calm version. This is the calm version. And it will be like this until we close. It's a calm version. This morning. But help me read this. And let us not be weary in... What is he talking about? Sowing, isn't it? Now he calls sowing well-doing. Doing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Who went about doing. If he did nothing, it doesn't matter that he is Jesus Christ. He will harvest nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You need a history with God. I know that if any man be in Christ is a new creation, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. From that new place, you build a history with God. You must have a CV with God. It's the sowing. It's the doing. It's the investment. It's the input. That becomes that CV with God. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. You see, he replaced the sowing but kept the reaping. To help you know that I've not shifted. I'm still on the same point. We're talking about sowing and reaping. But this thing is broader than just giving money. It's on different layers. Then now he says... If we, if we are not weary in well-doing, we are going to reap. That means I reap from my doings. To the Corinthians, he says, He that soweth sparingly will reap sparingly. Doesn't it make sense? If you cultivated a one-acre land, and I cultivated 100 acres, it will be mockery. You will be mocking God thinking you will harvest more than I'm harvesting. Don't be fooled by one day of favor is better than a hundred years of labor. That, that grace confused. The Bible says, though he was a son, yet lent you obedience by the things he suffered. Didn't the Bible say Jesus grew in favor? Favor won't replace work. One day of favor is better than a hundred years of labor. So you are waiting for that day of favor till you die. When those who didn't wait for favor and are putting in the work, they are busy reaping. Whilst you are waiting for your day of favor, they are reaping. He says, in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. There is nobody who has prospered who didn't come to a point of fainting and just stay just a little longer. Any prosperous person here? We just want to use you as an example. Say that Vim no cry ni sana ebaso. Vim ni sana. But the Bible says there are many schedules of things that will make you want to give up. But it says, but if you faint not, ah, harvest is right after not fainting. This thing I'm saying only the successful understand it. It's a message to you, but it's, an, it's a lived experience to many people. And they can take you to all the places they almost gave up. They can, if, if you say, okay, take me through your life. They can, at this point, I was done. But I don't know why I still remained in the game. And then this happened. 
And then as I continue, at this point, I, I said, it's okay. I don't want this again. And then this happened. At this, he says, if we faint not, we shall reap. So it's mockery to think you are fainting and still expecting to reap. It's part of the mockery. <laughs> Verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity. That's all you need. Do you have opportunity? He says, let us do good unto all men. That's how you become successful. That's how you become rich. The volume of good your life is producing for men determines what will become of you. you listen, you can't have a million if you have not blessed your world with 10 million. If you've not delivered a value of 10 million, you can't have 1 million in your pocket. It doesn't work that way. It's not million for million. No, your value must be outrageous for you to reap. So he says, we have to. Oh, this is a, a calm version. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Do good. Seek to serve as many people as you can with your products. Seek to serve as many people as you can with your service. Seek that your life will touch many, many, many people. He says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That means this is the preparatory grounds. Look, you, you are joking to think you will excel so much there when in this community we don't know you as an excellent person. That's mockery. Do you know that when they were looking for uh, the deacons, Stephen and Philip and co, they gave them a certain criteria. Men of honest report. Men of wisdom. They, they had a certain reputation in the community of faith. And when they were handpicked and released, Philip alone took over Samaria. That thing he's doing in Samaria, is, is, the apostles won't be surprised. Can you imagine that you think that we don't know you for anything in this faith community, but you will emerge in New York as a champion for Jesus? It's mockery. You are mocking God. Stephen and Philip and co. had a reputation in the church. Because this is a community. You are telling me that you will have an excellent spirit at work. But here, it is under wraps. I'm only unleashed when I get out there. No, 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 no. It must begin from here. So when they were looking for deacons and they gave them men of honest report, men of wisdom, men of integrity, people who have good this, and, and they selected the seven people, it, at least two of those seven people, one is Stephen, one is Philip, they shook their world. But they shook their world because in the community of faith, they, were, they, they, they had, in quote, a reputation for something, for the same thing they shook their world with. So he says, especially, do good to everybody, but begin with the household of faith. What that means is that if, if I'm seeking to be a global preacher, global teacher, global trainer, a man who raises people, who impacts people, who changes people's mindset, who is able to shift people into new dimensions, I'm saying this, but when they come and see you, it's a contradiction of whatever I'm saying. How will I ever emerge as that? It was when the queen of Sheba came to Solomon that he saw his servant. 
and said, even the half of your wisdom was not told me. That's why I did that introduction I did. Because you can, you can make this word I'm preaching a lie by how you look like. Eh? Now you've been listening to me for 20 years, for 10 years, for 15 years, and you don't look like what you are listening. Where is the, you know, Paul says we don't need any letters of recommendation. You are my letter of recommendation. That's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. Can I say that of you? That you are my, I don't need anybody to come and give me any recommendation. Oh, Pastor Maxim, Pastor, no, no, look at this human being. He is my recommendation. This, this is proof that God has called me. Can we use you like that? And I'm in Sabah often. You're the map in the Bowser. You're the map in the Bowser. What have you been doing all this? Look at this life and tell me you've been preaching for five years. Come on, put the mic down. You are not ready. Into Adina, your communal life, prosperity is not is 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 not just hanging somewhere. No, no, no. There are bases for it. Kingdom finance has roots. We should be able to trace you. That we, we, you just popped up. No, nobody pops up. We are all coming from somewhere. Nobody just pops up. If you are thinking one day, one day you will blow, you are mocking God. Okay, what will you be blown on? <laughs> or blown with? Or blown by? We should know you for that. Eh? There you go. You, you are not doing music. They say one day, one day I go blow. Music go blow me. One day, one day I go. What will blow you is aqua pleasure. Because that's what you are doing. You can't be blown in something you are not giving yourself to. And I... Farida, I said Farida. That means I'm trying to blow in a name that is not even here. The name is not here, and I'm blowing it. Can you imagine? Rashida wants to blow as what? An accountant. When you are not one, you are not one. How do you blow in something you are not? So, what God wants us to pay attention to is the understanding, the understanding that I must deliver a certain volume of value. Eh? You must deliver a certain volume of value to be able to reap. Hallelujah. Chadrach, I'm not angry with you. It's, 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 it's just, but do you know that it is mockery to expect to be a millionaire when you've not given millions in worth of value. It's, it's mockery. You are mocking God. There is no millionaire who has not already invested millions in value out there already. In other words, whatever they are a million, a, 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 whatever they are a million of, it may not come out well, but just get the message. Whatever they are a million of, there are tens of millions of that to others. Please, is, is that like Dalia? For you to make millions out of Dalia, eh, you, you, you must put out hundreds of millions. Maybe uh, it's someone who can help us. Can your profit be bigger than your revenue under any circumstance? Oh, no, help us. If I'm wrong, I'll give you the mic and then you just you continue from here. Can you, can you make more profit than your revenue? Not under any circumstance. It's mockery. To think that your, your profit, like maybe this year my budget, eh, 
uh, I'm going to make profit as a business of a million dollars. What will be your total revenue, gross revenue? It's 500,000 Ghana. What's that? How will this happen? The, the grace of God. <laughs> the grace of God. You are mocking God. You are mocking God. And you know many people do that. That's what we call wishful thinking. So today I just want to help you understand that it's, it's one of the misconceptions. Even though it might sound good in your own mind, it's never going to happen. Your wishful thought will never come to pass, is what I'm saying. It's a misconception to think that that thought in your mind that breaches this thing we are talking about will happen one day, one day. That's how many people have wasted their lives. What do you mean? For what a man sows, that shall he reap. Here you are not sowing, but expecting to reap. And I'm saying that this sowing thing is, is way broad than just giving money. It's broad. And the Bible helped us by saying it's called well-doing. Well-doing. Well, that means I come into contact with, with Cain, and by the time I'm leaving, I've left well done on him. Well done. I did it well. Well doing. That means something excellent has rubbed off you just because we interacted. Something that you can carry home. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> Please let's go back to verse, same Galatians chapter 6, maybe verse, let's start from verse 2. Verse 2. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Hallelujah. We're talking about kingdom finance. And the reason why we are emphasizing this is because we know that this is the understanding you come into your spaces with so that the harvest will be a result. The harvest will not just be a matter of fasting and prayer. The harvest will be a result. I'm fasting and praying to plant. And then the harvest is a result. If a man, no, verse 3 again. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It was from this that the guy became bold to now deceive God. Don't be deceived. God is no more. He, he, he succeeded in deceiving himself. And then now he raised the bar. That means this guy is operating with an exaggerated opinion of himself. He thinks he's something when he's not. Do, do you really want the honest truth? Nowhere, no one is where he is for nothing. You can wish. You can wish. You can spend your whole life just wishing. Wishes don't change anything. So instead of thinking of yourself to be something, be something. Don't just think of yourself to be something. Be something indeed. And you won't even have to now try and think that you are something. No. Be something. Be something. So the question is, who are you? These millions you are looking for, is it not heavier than you? Can you carry it? Who are you? This success you are looking for, is it not bigger than you? Can you carry it? The profit you are looking for, is it not bigger than you? Can you carry it? 
If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Verse 4, please. But let every man prove his own work. That's the equalizer. They said the proof of the pudding is in the eating. You can describe it as glorious as you want it. But when we taste it, we, we will get the real assessment. So he says, but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Hallelujah. So are you proving in this place? Are you proving? Are you proving? Are you proving? Are you proving? If we are talking about finances that God is involved in, there are many tests you have to pass. There are many tests you have to pass. <clears throat> you see, to the Ephesians, Paul wrote to a certain possible group. And the possible group, he said, let him that stole steal no more. He's writing to the church. But we all came from different backgrounds. We came with different set of skills. In case you are skillful in stealing, now that you have become part of this community, steal no more. You see? We can't continue and say, oh, <laughs> you are covered. No, steal no more. But rather, let him work with his own hands. Why? That he may have. How did he have? By working. And how is he going to distribute what he has? By giving. How do we have? By working. We don't have by giving. This guy is a thief. He, he, he steals to survive. That means he's operating in a negative. He's not even zero. He's sub-zero. He's operating in the negative. Then he becomes born again. Joins the church. He's part of the efficient church. And Paul is writing to him. The Holy Spirit through Paul. Right? And says, let him that stole steal no more. But let him rather work. You see, the guy is moving from a place where he's stealing to survive. And now he's built or added value to himself. Do you know that let him steal no more means change your identity? Because I knew I was a thief, but now I'm not a thief. That, that's a world apart. It's a world of a difference. I'm no longer a thief. Just that mindset that, no, I'm not a thief. Then he says, let him work. Working is a form of giving. Isn't it? Yes, it's planting. It's sowing. Work is actually sowing. Work is planting. Work is putting something in the ground. And if you have put something in the ground, it is consistent for you to expect a harvest. So, loosely speaking, you see that giving covers both what we know to be giving and what we think is working. Because working is also giving. So, primary giving is working. Secondary giving is what we know to be given. Now, that secondary is not secondary because it's not important. It's secondary because it is based on the primary. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work that he may have. So you see how he has moved from negative to positive? He now has. And then the purpose for having is to give to him that needed. You see? So that, that's actually the, 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 the equation. So even if I'm coming from negative, 
I can add value to myself until now I can work to have. Working is also giving. And we are saying that if you want to have, it is, it is determined by the volume of the value you are putting out there as work. So what you have is a function of the value you are putting out there that he may have to give to him that needed. That means this guy is also going to participate in bringing people out of poverty. And what is his background? He was an ex-thief. But now, by opening up to the gospel, he's no longer stealing. And then, he's actually built so much capacity and value, he's able to work, deliver some value, and then from there, he's having. And from having, this guy can now be a blessing. The same person who was a pain in the society. Because he's taking things that doesn't belong to him, now he's giving to society. You see? He, he, is now, he is now a positive element of blessing. He, he, he is now a net contributor. Previously, he, he was stealing. The same person, by opening up to the gospel of the kingdom and the lordship of Jesus and the government of Jesus, he is no longer a thief. Now he is giving to society. That's the story of your life. The journey is God moving you from wherever you are right now to a place where your life is a blessing to your society. It's a blessing. So that's, that's the goal. The reason why I want to have is so that I can abound to every good work. That's why we, we seek to have. Uh, this is how the preacher puts it. The preacher says, a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children. Do you see what is missing in that scripture? That good man didn't do it for himself. He did it for his children's children. The Bible says he's a good man. That means he wasn't driven by selfishness. Now you may think, oh, his, his children are his children. No, no, it's not normal. That's why I say a good man. Every man doesn't do that. That's why I say a good man. If it is normal in society, they won't single them out and say, these are good men. I know somebody does this in the bank. He says, me, 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 jaka. Like, that, that, that is his. Me see, me, I was working with him. He says he will shock his family people. Like, when he dies, and the, the death they will discover, they will leave him alone. And he used to say that very often. Oh, me, I want to leave death. I, I will leave them death, but. That is goal. But the Bible says, no, we should move from that negative to be a blessing. So the reason why we are seeking to have more is to be able to give more and bless more and help more and support more. This is how you will be fulfilled. You will never be fulfilled because you have plenty. No. It's because you are giving to a point where you are rich because you have given so much. Not you are rich because you have so much. You see, I'm a millionaire because I've given millions. Not because I have millions. Because it says that he may have to give. Life is given. Life is given. If you don't sow, you won't reap. What that means is that every one of us must be, must be putting in 
putting in so much, so much, so much in your own life, wherever you find yourself. Be more valuable to your employer than he's paying you. Make your company indebted to you. Make them indebted to you. Don't be a loafer. Don't just be scheming through. Nearly contributing, almost contributing, almost touching. Almost, no, don't do that. Let, let your company be indebted to you. Give them way more than they are paying you. You will be a nightmare. They will always be worried. I hope this guy is not leaving us today. I know that people are not indispensable. Because Apostle Paul cried away, woke up. Throw two thirds of the New Testament. It's gone. So in that sense, we are all not indispensable. But whilst Paul was here, he said there is a labor more than them all. Nobody can match me. Whilst he was here, you can't, you, no, you can't do that to him. Ultimately, we are all not indispensable. But whilst we are here, in my lifetime, when you say the gospel of the kingdom, vaccine must come into your mind. It won't just fall on me. Hallelujah. So, I'm helping all of us to understand that we can't just desire things, even though desire is very important and powerful. But harvest and reaping, they respond to sowing and planting. When you go to work, you are sowing. You are planting. You are planting. So let's, let's, let's just get these things off our minds and let's roll our sleeves and, and get the job done. There is no other way. There, there, I mean, we've said it. Faith doesn't make things easy. There's no other way. So we just have to make up our minds that, you know what, this thing, we are responsible for it. We are going to do it. And then we just get it done. We just get it done. Don't be complaining whilst you are doing what you're doing. I wanted to even get into that, but, you know, time, time is not on our side. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't do that grudgingly. You think that Abraham was complaining from the house to the mountain where he sacrificed Isaac? No. No. And none of us will be greater than our sacrifices. No. If you think that you can just end up at the top without breaking a sweat, you are mocking God. You are being deceived. It doesn't happen that way. So even when you are sacrificing, you see, understand. When you understand, when you understand, sacrifices will be a delight. When you understand, you understand how these things work. You understand. Put in your best. Give your best. Deliver value. More. Put in more. Just get more out of, out of whatever it is you are engaged with. And then you will be surprised that after that point where men faint, you will reap that harvest. Every one of us is entitled to a harvest if we have planted. If you have planted, you are entitled to a harvest. If you have sowed, you are entitled to a harvest. What is sowing? Well doing. Well doing. Engaging productively your days. And then God who supervises that law will ensure that nothing goes wrong but that you reap a harvest. Those of us who are not putting anything in the ground should not expect to reap anything. If indeed you reap anything, 
It will be wheat. So every one of us, every one of us, every one of us, every one of us must make up our minds. And we are not going to continue to mock God. We are not going to continue to deceive ourselves. We won't mock God. I'm not expecting from God what I know he's asking me to do. I'm not expecting it from him. If we get to getting this thing done, we will reap. We will have a harvest. We will have to give. If you don't have, it means you are not giving. And understand the giving we are talking about. Not the giving you know. If you don't have, it means you are not giving. It means you are not putting out value. Things don't just happen. Nobody will just walk to your house and give you 500,000 Ghana cities. If that's how you are thinking, it's called wishful thinking. It doesn't happen. Oh, but I know somebody that it happened to. They said even a broken clock is right two times in a day. Even if the thing is not working, as wherever the time was when it got spoiled, in the morning it to be right, in the evening it to be right. Don't use that as an example to say, oh, it has happened to Akosia, so if God made it happen to Akosia, God will make it happen to me. No. Plant. So, do good to all men. Impart people. Serve people. Get some product out. Get some services out. And then you will reap. And then you will harvest. If this is not on the ground and you are expecting prosperity, you are mocking God. You are mocking God. You are mocking God. You can't mock God and he will respond to you. No, he doesn't work like that. So I'm praying that God will help us. God will help us approach this thing like it is. No fairy tales. No fairy tales. You don't sow, you don't reap. You don't plant, you don't harvest. No fairy tales. No fairy tales. So I take a hold of the wisdom of God and I go to work with it. I go to work with it. And I'm delivering value. I'm delivering value. If I, have, if I want a million, I must give 10 million. But give, no say you understand the giving. Giving, if you want a million, give 10 million means give 10 million worth of value and you will have a million worth of cash. If you want a million, give 10 million. Give 10 million and then you have a million. Don't see the full thing. Say we know them, so we are solving the thing before it happens. Nobody will pick this tape now. God, now they don't know you. Ten years ago, look at the nonsense they were preaching. Give 10 million and you have a million. And look at these foolish people. They, too, they are sitting and listening. How do you give 10 million and get a million? Why don't you give you, keep your 10 million? You see how they will make it sound? Like, give 10 million and you will get a million. Keep the 10 million. Don't give them. We are saying 10 million worth of value for a million cash. That value, is it coming to me? It's going to the world, to the market. And our value, no, oh, the mommy. Hallelujah. You see, yes, settles on your Then now we get ready for business. And then now we can predict that we will, we will, be, we will be successful, we will be rich, we will be, we will be financially buoyant. We can predict it. Because I am looking at Dali and the seeds you are planting, the seeds you are sowing. Which devil will interrupt that law? No. But if there's no Daliha and you are prophesying Daliha, prophesying Daliha, prophesying, you will read prophecies. 
We believe you've been blessed. For further inquiries, contact Kingdom Expression Ministries worldwide on 0201-300-400 or visit our website, www.kingdomexpression.org. Follow us on social media at Kingdom Expression. You can locate us at South Oyarifa, 300 meters from the Ankunam Junction.